Welcome to the Open Church Podcast, a place for disciples to be made. Well, hey, welcome back to another edition of the Open Church Podcast. Remember, you can reach out to us at openchurchonline.com. Once again, openchurchonline.com. Uh, contact information there, anything you need during this Christmas season. And this is Christmas season 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, uh, thank you for joining for these um, ad- special Advent services, uh, messages. Um, but if you're listening right now in the present, uh, today is Sunday, November 29th, uh, the year 2020. <laughs> and um, we're going to actually for the next four weeks, um, start off um, with the idea from the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Um, so each verse has has a, a, a main thought pattern to it. The uh, first verse is, do you see what I see? And there's, do you hear what I hear? And then, do you know what I know? And then, uh, listen to what I say is the last verse. So today, right now, is do you see what I see. Now, what's the main idea? Well, this is what I want us to get from this. We're celebrating Advent together. Do you see what I see? Do you see hope? What do I mean by hope? I'll give you the big idea and then we'll break it down. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Now, what does that even mean? Well, I think it's really, really important to understand why do we need hope in the first place. So we're going to cover the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation um, in this short message. Let's jump in. You have Genesis, you have the creation of the world, you have Adam and Eve created, and then of course you have the fall. What was the fall? Man saw something that they desired more than their relationship with God and his order to things, and they went after it. And what's really interesting is Genesis 3, verse 10. Genesis 3, you, there, there's this intimacy there. There was this time that, that Adam and Eve spent with God, and it came that hour, and Adam and Eve hid. And when questioned about this, Adam says this, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and so I hid. And it's such an interesting thing. God says everything is good. So even our nakedness, in a weird sense, is good, and yet none of us would go around naked without some shame, or having to press through the shame initially. So I find that such a very interesting concept, that God made things and they were good. And yet it was knowing this good versus evil, the difference between good and evil, that caused mankind to hide from truth, from purity, from goodness itself, our God the Creator. And that's what happens to Adam and Eve. They hide. 
And what's interesting is God in his mercy covers. Verse 21. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. God clothes this perceived nakedness, this perceived point of shame on the part of Adam and Eve. In essence, you could argue this is the first Passover. What do I mean by Passover when I say this? God passed over the sin, which was to be the, the consequence of sin, which is death. And Adam and Eve do die. And of course, uh, Paul says this very, very well. Um, through one man sin entered the world, that one man being Adam, and through one world sin was conquered. Death was conquered by Jesus, who is the Passover lamb. But until then, God is setting the scene for us to understand. He passes over their nakedness. He clothes their nakedness. And this is the first instance that we get that there must be shedding of blood there must be something to take the place of our sinfulness. There must be something of worth given to cover our shame. It's right there. It's right there in the very beginning. But not only that, we need to set up what the Passover is in Exodus uh, 12. We have the Passover. And the Passover is something uh, very, very important to understand, to grasp. And I'm just picking up basically what happens, and just to, to understand this together, was God was calling out his people, Israel, from the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And so you have the plagues, and then on the last plague is the death of the firstborn. Once again, the death of something, of worth, having to cover our shame. It's a, such an interesting concept. But God says to the Israelites, your firstborns will not be spared if you do this. Sacrifice a lamb. Innocence. Purity. Representation. And smear the blood on your doorposts. He says in Exodus 12, verse 24, Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people knelt low and worshipped. Why do we need, need hope? Why, why does this Advent season, this Christmas season, more than almost any year possibly previously, do we need to cling to the hope that is set before us and that is real and pure? Why do we need that? Romans 6.23 gives us a succinct answer. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why are we covering these things? Why are we looking at things like the Passover on this first Sunday of Advent? Because we need to understand this. Without the first Advent, there cannot be a second Advent. Let me put it this way. Without the first coming of Christ, lowly in a manger, tempted and living and always like you and I, yet without sin, if that wasn't a reality, then we have no hope of a second coming of Christ. We have no hope of redemption, of being cleansed from our sins. We have no hope being passed over for the guilt that is on us, our sinfulness. We have no hope if there's not a first advent. But thank God that there is. Thank God that this time that we push back darkness, we light up trees, that we have all these reminders of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, humbling himself into this world to become the perfect Lamb of God, to die on the cross, to shed his blood for our forgiveness. Thank God that all of that is true. And if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in that, and we choose to follow the Lord, then no uncertainty, no pandemic, no worry can take away the fact that Jesus is our Passover lamb. So I use this term, I use this idea of Jesus as the Passover lamb. Why do we need hope? We need the forgiveness of sin. But where does our hope come from? And that, that's what we're going to focus on here. Romans 5, verse 8. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a really interesting thing, and I dare you to take this think challenge. There's only two religions in the world. You can stack them all up. I don't care if they're traditionalism. Um, I don't care if they're one of the major religions. Um, there's only two religions in the world that think differently from all the rest. There's only two religions in the world that are not actually, the, the, the essence of those religions is not to manipulate God. not to earn their way to salvation. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm listening to this. I'm going to argue that there's only one. Well, that's not true. There's two. But they're from the same root. Judaism and Christianity, both, if you study them out, go, and I and I, I, I dare you to do this, go and, and read the Old Testament law and pray through it. These things weren't to earn and to get things from God. These things were done to honor God. Go look at the sacrifices, the Old Testament Jewish sacrifices. They're not, they don't exist 
to manipulate God into giving a harvest or manipulate God into giving good weather. Think about it. It's the first fruits. It's the Passover. These are things that God already gave or is giving. These are not to manipulate the gods or God. Christianity is the same thing. And that's why one of the things, the consistency between the two needs to make a person pause. There's only two religions in the whole world that have at its core not the manipulation of God, not earning salvation, but trusting in Creator God. And there's only one religion in the world that says that God came down and gave of himself to make a way for a restored relationship with him. And of course, that's Christianity. Romans 5, 8, But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. The first advent. If there is no first advent, there is no second advent. If there is no first advent, there is no loving God. And then we need to figure out a way to earn our way into heaven. But the great thing is there is a first advent. Not only is there a first advent, but there's a reminder of both first advent and second advent. First coming of Jesus, second coming of Jesus. It's actually rolled up into what we normally call communion, the Lord's Supper. And I want to take a moment and examine that. Luke 22, starting in verse 14. When the hour came, and what is this hour? God, Jesus knew it was his time to be the Passover lamb. When Jesus dies, he is dying in place of all the sacrificial lambs. That could only temporarily bring relief and covering. What they could only do temporarily, because all they were were a type and a shadow and a reminder, Jesus does once and for all. And when this hour was upon him, he reclined at the table. The apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. We look at that. And we look at communion. And communion is a reminder of where our hope comes from.
There's several things I want to break down here, but first and foremost, what actually took place? Well, we already saw that for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We already talked about that. We've already seen where there has had to be a sacrificial covering for the people of God from the very foundations of sin entering the world. There is no forgiveness without the transmission of blood. And you can look at that in our 21st century worldview and say that's disgusting. And you know, at first glance, maybe you're right, but I want to emphasize this. Things we even say today, freedom is not free. Things like cut off the head and the body will die. The greatest generation. Why do I bring all these things up? Because we know this fundamentally, that things that are worth having do not come without some type of sacrifice. Even our mantras of, of American mantras of work hard. Anybody can achieve anything if they work hard enough. You know, these kind of ideals and ideas. There has to be equity put into something to get something out of it. You know, for me, for an example, when I was a teenager, I put in hours of work playing keyboard playing piano. And so I can play decently. But now I'm playing with people who play better than I do. And I have a real decision to make. Do I put in more hours? Do I regroup and keep pressing on, which I am doing, and I'm challenging myself yet again? Or do I just stay where I was? See, Anything worth doing takes time to do. This is something that we know. It takes some type of sacrifice. But this is the same thing on the spiritual level. I don't think we grasp the brokenness. We have these ideals and ideas that, well, they're a good person. And maybe that's true, but that's not what we're judged on. That's not what the purpose of life is. The purpose of life is to be in fellowship with our God and to do life His way. And that cannot happen until we realize, accept, and follow what Jesus did for us. And what He did is right here summed up. He says, this is my body. As He takes the bread which is given for you, broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup, he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It honestly is a beautiful thing that we need to remember this Christmas season. 
as we celebrate the babe in the manger. The babe is just another babe. Unless he is the sacrificial lamb. Unless he is God incarnate who comes into the world. That we might have the opportunity to be saved. Where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from Jesus. Why do we need hope? Where does our hope come from? And what is our hope point towards? I kind of didn't go back and focus on this, so we're going to focus on it now. Go back to Luke 22 and look at verse 15. Jesus said these very interesting words at the beginning of Passover. I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he takes the first cup and he says, Take and share this among yourselves, for I tell you from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So as far as actually what's going on there, he there's the cup, then the bread, and then the cup again. And that's important to note because in the first cup, even before he explains about the bread in the second cup, the first cup is a reminder. And what is that reminder? It's a reminder of what our hope is pointing towards. Our hope is pointing towards a day when we meet our Savior face to face. For those that he's telling this to, he's saying, I am leaving you and I have to because my body uh, must be broken. My blood must be poured out for the remission of sin. To deal with sin and death once and for all, and that all mankind may have the opportunity to follow God's way in their life. Well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible makes it very clear. If you confess with your mouth and you believe, if you will follow Jesus, you will be saved. So if you've never confessed with your mouth, if you believe in Jesus this morning, I want you to find somebody, a believer, you can, you can contact us. And I want you to confess with your mouth that you believe. Just right now, confess it. Then, of course, afterwards, it becomes about following you make that decision, it's about following Jesus. Of course, we can talk more about that. Um, you can message at um, openchurchonline.com. Uh, we can break that down further, and of course, we will in further teachings. But right now, I want to make sure you understand what does our hope point towards. Our hope points towards this. First of all, our, it comes from the fact that Jesus gave himself. He died on the cross, and he paid the penalty for our sin. For the wages of sin is death, and Jesus died once and for all to do it. So you and I can now live in freedom. But not only that, when we take communion, we not only celebrate the first advent, Jesus coming into the world, 
paying the price for our sin. We also celebrate the second advent. That's what is meant here. I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Well, let's see what that looks like. Revelation 9, 19. Revelation 19. This is an image. John was given this revelation, this image of what the marriage feast of the Lamb will look like. This is the moment when Jesus will raise the glass and we will toast our Savior. This is the moment when he'll break the bread again in front of us. And we will fully embrace the sacrifice. We will fully understand what it means to be his and he to be ours. Revelation 19, verse 1. After this, I heard something like the loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. You can read all of it, but we're picking back up in verse 5. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his servants, and the ones who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud thunder, saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She has given fine linen, she was given fine linen to wear bright and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride wears white. <laughs> bride being the church, which if you're a believer. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the bride of Christ, the church. It's a beautiful image. Before Jesus even pours out his blood for us, before he, his body is broken to pay the debt for our sin, he reminds us that this is not for naught and that this is not just in this life. face to face and every time we partake in communion we celebrate not only the first advent but we celebrate the second advent but there's a reminder at the end of this for if you are a believer and a follower of jesus and you know that then what is this time on earth about wearing white the righteous acts of the saints that is what our life has become about to live a life worth living to live a life where we breathe life all around us. We do the things of God. We glorify Him. But maybe you're listening to this and you're not sure where you stand in the salvation message. In this first and second advent, as we begin the celebration of the first advent of, of Jesus. Let me ask it this way. Is Jesus your hope? Is Jesus your hope? Do you 
follow Jesus. If you say yes to those, but maybe things are a little slack, well, that's okay. Take some time and recommune with your God. Talk to him. Open the word of God. Pray. Seek. He is not far. If you're passionately following him right now, then partake of communion. Partake of this Advent season, this Christmas season with full joy. But if you answer that question, is Jesus your hope? And you say, I'm not sure. Then be sure today. It's simple. All you have to do is take a moment. Reflect in your heart if you're ready. And say, Jesus, I choose to follow you and learn your ways. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Even if you're struggling, you can say, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Help me to follow these prayers. He will answer. And you will be his. And you will be at the marriage feast of the Lamb. I hope this first Advent message blesses you. I end with this question. Do you see what I see? Do you see hope? Is Jesus your hope? Until next time, if you need to reach out, please do. Once again, openchurchonline.com. Be blessed. Be blessed.